This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. our inaugural uh, test experience, I guess, for What Up, My Cracker. And I think, it, uh, I think it's got a future. It's a term of endearment. We need to keep that mm-hmm. Charlie Wrangle clip close so we can explain that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> after a while, it will start to get a little odd. But I like it. It's a good way to start off an interview, get you into it uh, comfortably. Um, now, did Ed use that last night on the Ed Show with Dana Lash? What up, my cracker? I don't know. I don't remember that I don't know. I don't part think of the so. interview. Uh, it he was did a, start out with a very disingenuous, oh, above those cowboys. Are they going to be okay, Dana? Yeah, that was really bad. <laughs> so bad. So bad. Uh, and then he went into his talking points. Uh, he felt... I guess, again, it's very difficult to figure these things out with someone like Ed Schultz, but I think he thinks he was making a good point. Oh, It's, it's always yeah. difficult to tell oh, yeah, because, well, part of, part of me just thinks he can't possibly believe that was a good point. No, but then does. I think because Ed is, is who Ed is, I think, mm-hmm. he's, I think he is trying his hardest. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it doesn't always turn out well. Unless uh, it's hard. He really, you know, even with the two assistants he had there to try to win against Dana Lash, you probably just shouldn't invite her on the show. Yeah, because you're gonna lose, you know, so incredibly embarrassingly. Uh, embarrassingly that yeah, I mean, try another path. I think maybe mm-hmm. if you go right to crystal ball and just have her agree with what you say, that might be a better better way to go. Um, and that's the way it usually goes. Yeah, that's the way it usually goes. I don't know what made him do this. Uh, here is, uh, here's a. I mean, it's a television disaster. It's like the Hindenburg <laughs> on, uh, on on cable news. Oh, the humanity. Oh, the humanity. Watch. Here it is. Do the Republicans not have a plan on the table, Dana? All they talk about is repeal. The numbers I gave are facts. Your thoughts? Right. Because Harry Reid hit it on his desk. That's why. You know that there are over at least nine plans that have been submitted by House Republicans and sent to the Senate alternatives to Obamacare. Several of those which were presented prior to the passage of Obamacare. So, I mean, ultimately, I think that's kind of a question that we need to ask the outgoing Senate Majority Leader, Harry Reid, because there have been plans presented. Not all of them I've agreed with, but a lot of them have some really good stuff in there that I think should have been included in Obamacare. Okay, so what do you agree with and what do the Republicans agree with of the numbers that I put out. What? Well, you were citing White House numbers, so I'm not quite sure what no, you these, had mentioned. No, these come from the Congressional Budget Office. These are. I know, and I have not... some numbers for you okay. from the CBO because we know how the CBO works. You know, they just kind of score what you give them. No, no, you know, no, we, no, we, no. Wait a minute yeah, now. No, okay, so, so <laughs> who's, whose numbers do you want to believe? The Congressional well, Budget going, Office is nonpartisan. The American people that have reported in. I mean, it's funny because the, she, the Jonathan Gruber thing is a great example of this. That they, as he said, they wrote the law in a torturous way so that the CBO would score it mm-hmm. uh, in this, in his example, uh, mm-hmm. uh, not as a tax, as a fee, so that they would get around it and get the bill passed. Um, if so, of course, Ed. You know, I always like to. Th- you always th- say this when you're talking about a host. Of course, he knows that. I don't know if Ed knows that. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, he may or may not know how the CBO works. I, I honestly. 
I don't have any evidence that he understands how, how it works. I just assume because he's on television that he does, which is probably a stupid assumption on my part. Okay, so you slapped down my first point, Dana. What do what what do you what what do you agree with uh, on this? But well, none of it because you're a buffoon. And you're, you're throwing out stupid stats that, oh, that are meaningless. We didn't even get a chance to go into what the stats were, and we don't have the video yeah. of this, but this is before Dana came on. The stats that she was supposed to agree or disagree with. Uh, here are a couple of them that I can recall off the top of my head. Oh, look at all these healthcare companies. Their stocks have gone up. Well, you just took about $2 trillion and took it from taxpayers and gave it to healthcare companies. So, yeah, healthcare stocks are going to go up in that situation. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that's a shocking development in any way. And $2.2 trillion is over a longer period. But the bottom line is you're taking tax dollars from people like myself and, and, and Pat and not Jeffy. And you're taking that money because Jeffy doesn't pay taxes on those side businesses. And you're taking that money and you're just essentially just handing it to the insurance companies. Liberals have problems with this, with this concept. They don't like the bill because of that reason. Because it's just funneling money to private insurance companies. Because it's helping big companies. Right. They don't like big companies right they don't think anywhere beyond that really yeah. so that was one of his big stats his, his other one was look at hospitals hospitals now again i didn't look into this number at all as far as uh mm. whether it was accurate but the hospitals are going to save 45 billion dollars because before people would come in they wouldn't pay their bills now they're going to be paid okay so let's well, think about that one for a right. minute right so Jeez. hospitals are paying are saving forty five billion dollars. How does that process go? Here's how it goes. Uh, used to be that people would go in and get the medical treatment that you say they weren't able to get. They would go in and get the medical treatment and they wouldn't pay their bill and it would it would cost the hospital. Now instead Bankrupted we take our tax dollars and give it to the hospitals. Right. Is that a hospital saving money or is that us paying the hospital? Which one is it? Because it feels to me that we're giving our money to the hospitals. That's not the hospitals saving money. That is not what that is. These are the idiotic type of stats he was going with. And that was just the first section. Yes. Okay. We can, I can, there's I can, more. There's, oh, so there's more. It's unbelievable. Saying that, what did you say? Ed, that you said Republicans want to run 10 million people off of health care. They do. Well, I, would say, they do. I would say that the administration's done a really bang up job at that so far because 4.7 million people have lost their insurance in 32 different states. Dana, so are there more people? Are there more people in America today with health care than a year ago? That's a yes or no. Uh, there, no, there are a lot of people no? who've lost their okay. health insurance. All right, I'll I have let a lot the, of family members who've lost okay. health insurance. There's no I have a lot of friends who've lost health insurance. <laughs> That's because it was junk insurance. But let's go back to oh, this. No, 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 let's go. No, 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 wait a minute. No, you let, don't get to put that out no, there. No, no, no. I'll get to no, that. No, I, no, I will get to that. They're not junk plans. It, it just, junk I'll plans. get to that. Uh, there are federal standards right now that have to be and met they or they great. can't be sold in the marketplace. I know they lower their criteria. All right. I know. it's. All right. I want to be very clear, crystal clear. You say that there are fewer people in this country with health care today than a year ago. Did I hear Obama, that correctly? Remember, it was PolitiFact's lie of the year just recently that the president promised if you like your health care plan, you That's can not keep the it. question. The question I want you to whether tell or my not audience. Obamacare was good. Dana, I'm not going to do this. Coverage, Dana, hold on. <laughs> no, my question is, are there more people? Yeah. Are there more people insured? Uh, uh, I don't but, care about the 4.7 million who lost the plans that they liked and were lied to. I don't care about right. those 5 million. Are there more people? Right, but at what cost? Eddie? I don't care about the cost. Are there more people? Well, my question would be is... Are there more people? <laughs>
But what Are I, there more people? I know. I love this. It's a yes or no. In other words, I don't want you to give any information. Yes. You know. Right. I want to treat you like I'm a hostile attorney in a in a murder trial yeah. and try to get you to admit to. It's so pathetic. And you you said it as you were doing that fantastic voice earlier on the radio program. You <laughs> ended it the way he wanted it ended. I win. I win. I win. Mm -hmm. That's all it is. It's so mm -hmm. embarrassing. Uh, for so I mean, look. I don't. I don't want the the left to be successful. I think their policies hurt the country quite a bit. Progressives, I am not a fan of. I think their policies are horrible for this nation. But you have to feel bad for progressives when this guy is the guy arguing their points. I mean, yeah. it's it's embarrassing. And, and keep I, in mind, he was the left's Rush Limbaugh. Yeah. When that's what they touted him mm -hmm. as. When he, when he first started his, <laughs> I, I guess he had a syndicated radio show Which is for gone a while, now. and it's gone. It's over. He's he's on the. He got promoted to the internet. Now. And, yeah, weekends and internet. So, <laughs> so, uh, but he this was their big guy. Yeah, because he was the guy who supposedly used to be conservative, mm -hmm. and then he made the transition because he saw the light, and so now he's going to be a powerful antidote to Rush Limbaugh. And in many markets, they really believed Ed Schultz was going to beat Rush Limbaugh. Oh, my. Never. Gosh. Never. Um, oh, my gosh. He didn't make. He, I, it was like not even a fly on Rush Limbaugh's table to be swatted. Really embarrassing. It was an embarrassing, embarrassing. effort. Now, uh, now, in a conversational, um, an honest conversation at least, the question he's asking is, are there more uh, people insured? Now, in a situation where you weren't, you didn't have a guy trying to do this. this if you thing had an honest want, broker, right. You could probably what, say, yeah, yeah. Would you say are. yes? But at what cost? If I were to 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 mm -hmm. pass a bill that cost one trillion dollars and it insured one person, there would be more people insured. But is that a good policy? No. The answer to that is, of course, no. And of course, you've got to go beyond that. Is what does it do for the other people who are already insured? It hurts health insurance. It hurts innovation. It hurts our healthcare system over a long period of time for the people. People who already had insurance, people who wanted insurance in uh, the, the policies that they had earlier now have to choose policies that they didn't want. There are a lot of negative factors that go along. Yes, you can. I mean, this is like the argument with the stimulus plan. Well, we spent $787 billion. Did we? Are there more people employed? Well, OK. Uh, yeah, there are more people employed. Uh, if you spend $787 billion, we can give. Uh, 787 people, a billion dollars a year to go knit in the corner. Does that help the economy? Yeah, there's more people employed, but that doesn't mean anything. It's not good. It's an idiotic policy unless you're one of those 787 people, which, by the way, I am available to be if that job opens up. The point is that there's more to it than just a yes or no question. Ed knows that, and Ed knows beyond two or three letters, he loses the argument. So he requires her to speak in only two or three letter increments. That is not a, a legitimate way to have a conversation. And it's why no one watches The Ed Show. And it's why I would never go on The Ed Show. And it's why I praise Dana for being able to do work like that. Because I'm glad she's out there fighting these battles. I don't want to do it. And what was, what was the number they started with? Like 35 million unemployed or uninsured that they wanted to make sure they were insured. Then it was 40 million. Then it was 45 million. Then it was 47 million. Now they sometimes say, Jonathan Gruber, I just heard him say, it's about 50 million people. Jeez, good golly. It's, it's, it's increasing exponentially the number of uninsured. First of all, that number is bogus to begin with because mm -hmm. many of those people don't want to be insured. 
Many of those people choose not to be insured. Many of them were insured for most of the year in which the the survey happens, but were off insurance during a job changeover. Correct. Mm -hmm. So it's Uh, a bogus bogus number to to begin with. Because a lot of people, well, uh, some wealthy people, Rush has talked about this. He's one of them. Doesn't have insurance because he just goes and pays cash. He doesn't need insurance. If I got something I have to do medically, I'm going to yeah. go and just pay you for it. Maybe you have a catastrophic plan Maybe. Uh, that will take, you know, if you get cancer or something yeah. really sick. But if you're going to go to get for a sore throat, you just go in and pay cash. If, if you, but if you make $40 million a year or more, maybe you don't even have that. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe yeah. you just figure I'll handle it if it comes up. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people like that. There's a lot of people uh, changing jobs. There's a lot of, but there are some who are uninsured. Um, they so they wanted the goal was to do the 47 million figure. Let's say the aggregate in the last year is two million. That's a piss poor start. Terrible. Let's say there's two million out of the 47. You still have 45 million people by your number that are not insured. And and, and again, the same God, question. I mean, that's has, unbelievable. The same question has to be asked: At what cost? This is a bill that was proposed and at, at nine hundred billion dollars, and now is up to two point two trillion dollars. Yeah, two point two trillion dollars to to uh, to. Uh, it's unbelievable. To insure this many people is it's, it's not unbelievable. A, it's it's a ridiculous ratio, and yeah. you get to that point where uh, you, anybody would realize that outside of Ed Schultz, who doesn't realize anything. Uh, that's just kind of his way of doing business. Um, here is uh, uh, Dana talking uh, to the panel of because they obviously Ed couldn't handle this on his own. He brought in like a bunch of people. Like we couldn't handle the Malcolm Gladwell thing today. We just yeah. we had like 50 people against Malcolm Gladwell because we knew we were going to lose. He's smarter than us. This yet, is what Ed was doing. And yet we won. No, well, we did pretty well. I, I got to declare thought. victory on that. I'll, I'll do, we'll do that later. Uh, here <laughs> is uh, part three uh, with uh, Dana and Ed. Would the Republican would the Republican plans cover as many people as Obamacare does? By the federal government, it would make it exponentially easier for people to get health insurance. That's I mean, just one of the not things, true based on what the okay. CBO has what? said. All right, let's go well, to Dr. Aver. No, 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 no. First off, <laughs> let's go that's to... not true either. I mean, Wait. you can't say that that's not true. It hasn't even been sent yeah, to the CBO. Independent, independent the analysis. Oh, now you're quoting no, 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 the CBO. Now, now, you wait, quoted the CBO earlier. Dana, first you're vilifying the CBO, and now you're quoting them. Don't jump in here and say Crystal. Let me talk to Crystal for a second. No, you're not. Excuse me, you're not running over me. You're not going to fill Dana, you're not going to filibuster. I'm not going to let you do it. I'm not going to let you filibuster. Let me answer your question. You asked me earlier. I'm going to go back to this question. You're being unworkable right now. Okay, just just hold on. I'll give you more time. You're rude as it stands right now. I gave you the first shot and you ran all over. Here come, and look and here she here. is. Miss Rude is Ms. here Rude. right now. The unworkable. The unworkable. The rude. Uh, the is uh, triumphant. Here she's getting uh, uh, mic'd up here. Uh, and, and you see, this is what, of course, the plan is. You just, you just, what do you mean? You didn't you, want to share Jeffy's microphone because there's oh, too many diseases yeah. there. Yeah, don't get, yeah. yeah, don't get yeah. too close. Yeah. Don't get too close. We're not here. We're not hearing her for some reason. Yeah, it's not, it's not on or I don't know what the deal is. Can, can, can you we, just here, turn on Jeffy's mic? Oh, Jeffy. Oh, you don't have a desk no, mic anymore. No. Okay. Oh, you got it? Yeah. Okay. Uh, Dana. Oh, there we are. There we are. Oh, no, I was 
was saying your guys' voices this morning, <laughs> I was dying. I cried. I was laughing so hard because I sounded just like him. Oh, man. It sounded completely Well, like that him. is what he was trying to do. He, yeah, he was he, just it, trying to get you to admit right. that the aggregate is maybe more, I, I don't know, two mi is it two million more? Maybe. maybe. But the point is, that, you know, when, you, when he tries to get a conversation in which he requires you to speak in either two or three letter increments, right. yeah. then it's, it's he impossible. can, he, that's his only chance in this argument. And, mm -hmm. and this is why I don't want to do this stuff. I don't, and I praise you for doing it. I, I don't know how you walk into a situation like that when you know he's just going to. It's he, just a soundbite war. Yeah. I mean, and that's all it is. And yeah. he wanted to be able to ask a question a certain way and posit it a certain way so that he would get a particular answer. And I know it frustrates him, but I'm, I'm just simply not going to do that. You did not get yeah. No, I mean, and, and yeah. people can get aggravated. But as you guys were saying this morning, you know, I mean, 4.7 fewer people have health care now yeah. because 32 different states. In Virginia alone, it was over 250,000, like the first six weeks that lost their care. Right. Um, and I was hoping to go state by state. But then what cracks me up, and, and Pat, I think you hit on this too, when he kept talking about the CBO scoring, Jonathan Gruber, the fourth video is out today showing how they fudged the numbers right. and they faked it. So he's citing admitted fake numbers. If he wants yes. to do that, I'm all for it. Just yeah. go right ahead. Yeah. Yes. And, and, and there's, there's so, it's, there, it's so frustrating because it's not just a question of, are, do we have a number where there's more people that have health insurance? There's a question of what kind of health insurance is it? It's the health insurance that they didn't want. Is there a lower quality overall? At right. what cost? And do what we, about promise versus performance? Yeah. My gosh, yeah. the promise of this was to insure every American. Well, yeah. I mean, we're nowhere near, the, I think mean, that's fantasy land. Well, there's Still. a difference between health care and health insurance. Mm -hmm. And if we're talking about quality of care, if the point of Obamacare was to increase quality of care and also increase options, it it's spectacularly failed mm -hmm. at yeah. that. You know, if they're going to just say, well, we have more people covered with, media with mediocre coverage and fewer options, well, that actually is worse than what people ended up having because at least there was some semblance of competition. Now the federal government controls everything. Mm -hmm. So you don't have that competition. It's a numbers game to them, and that's all it is, which is really kind of dangerous. Yeah, yeah and we've kind of spent the last few minutes going over this, and, and one of the questions that we keep coming back to is, at what cost? Yes, you can, you can insure a few more people, but at what cost to the healthcare system? At what cost to the taxpayer? Right. You know, one of the stats, I, I don't know if you caught this because uh, I, don't, I, I don't know if you could even hear his idiotic uh, lead-in to you. But he, he, his first question to you, or his second question to you was, uh, so what do you agree with what I just said? Do you agree with <laughs> did you say? It was like the worst question of all time. That's so bad. But he's talking about, okay, we dump money from, talk, from taxpayers to insurance companies, and then the insurance companies' stocks go up. Right. Yeah. Right. Uh, of course, you're stealing my money and giving it to Aetna. Yeah, there's that. And they were involved in it. This yeah. is just like Hillary Care mm -hmm. in the 90s when they mm -hmm. came out with those Harriet ads and they had those people sitting around their table worrying about their health insurance. Well, the health insurance companies, the big insurance, they 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 advised on that. They essentially lobbyists wrote that just like they wrote Obamacare. They were in on this from the beginning. <laughs> and it amazes me that you have some Democrats pretending that no insurance companies are profiting. Well, yeah, because the people you elected worked with them to craft a law that would give them endless business so right. surprise i know it's, it's such a funny thing it's like and this is a minor point in the interview and you hit so many great ones but it's like if you if you were nestle and the government was about to pass a law that required people to eat chocolate 
You would be in support of that law. I would be all for that law. You would love that. And may may I ask another uh, sort of minor question on the interview? Who the (laughs) hell is Crystal Ball and why is she on television? Well, I don't want to be, you know, look, I was really trying to be a lady with this. Um, It was really kind of, because I have no idea why she was there. Because Ed had said on Twitter, it's going to be me and you, me and you. And then I get on there and and he's like, like, and I've got this guy and this chick and all these people. Um, But what cracked me up is she was saying when we were having the discussion about all the different plans. I mean, Tom Price had submitted a plan. Bobby Jindal had one. Yep. Romney mm-hmm. Ryan was, I think, the only one that was sent to the CBO and scored. Uh, and I put that on the table. Like, actually, no, there are a ton of different alternatives. He several just of which, that. Yeah, and he just ignored it. And she was saying, well, the analysis says, and I'm like, the analysis of what? Of what particular plan? Name one. Don't yeah. just sit here and pull rhetoric out. Well, the analysis, no, that's wrong. The yeah. analysis of what? I know your name is Crystal Ball, but come on. <laughs> just give yeah. me the name of a plan. The no, rest no, of us are we don't have Crystal Balls. <laughs> you, had, so. you had a great point in there because she, she says, the CBO scored X, Y, and Z as this. And then you said... Uh, the CBO, what plan did they score? The right. CBO didn't pl- score half of the plans I'm talking about, or actually eight of the nine that you're talking yeah. about. And then she says, well, independent analysis. Who's, Who's independent, independent analysis? analysis? Uh, of course, you know, Paul Krugman would be independent analysis. That's <laughs> not, I wouldn't trust that. They just, they, it, it was it was kind of amazing that she was just, no, that's not true. Yeah. Okay, that's that's great well, for you. Rand Paul came on our show a long right. time ago and proposed something. I don't know that he ever proposed the, 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 the bill officially, but he came up with a completely different plan that, that's Definitely right. not been scored by the CBO. It was good. It was a really good plan. Tom Price's was, was really good, and yeah. it really hit up on that portable, that portability and getting yeah. business yeah. out of the business of healthcare. So you never have to depend upon your and job Jindal for healthcare. Is, and Jindal as well was yeah. very solid. They were, there were things, there were proposals that we could have done to tweak, to improve, to enhance, to fill in gaps that, that did not require the government to take over right. 17% of the economy and, and mess with our system and have Almost 5 million people lose the plan they already liked and wanted to keep. And 86% of us are happy with with our plans. They could have tweaked it. They could have uh, yeah. state to state competition right. would have been one of the ways. Oh, in which absolutely. We could. And and but the thing was, every time that was proposed, it was simply ignored. It was just shut down as yeah. no. We're looking for uh, we want real solutions from real right. people. So anybody with a conservative solution. Just dismissed out of no, hand. and as you guys were saying this morning, and Glenn made the point that well, you're just ta- you're, you're just trading groups of people because there's yeah. only a portion of the people who are previously uninsured, maybe what 32 percent, and I think that it was revised down mm-hmm. e- even this month. Mm-hmm. There's only a small number of the people who were previously uninsured who actually were able to obtain insurance, but now you have more people than was originally targeted to insure who have now lost their insurance, and people like my sister-in-law who lost her insurance, and now she doesn't qualify for subsidies under Obamacare to even get the plan that she's supposed to. To get. So you have millions of people like that in limbo. And it's you're just exchanging one group of people for the other. It completely failed. Well, when the employer part of this kicks in, too, which they delayed, right? They've, de- they've delayed it twice now. Is that right? Yeah. It, it kicks in next year now? Supposedly. Yeah. When that happens, they estimate another 8 million people are going to lose their insurance. Right. So when that when that transpires, you're going to definitely have a massive aggregate loss. Because they're already downsizing the numbers that they predict are going to sign up in this sign-up period. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're saying this isn't going to go well. And we're, you know, it's, a, it's over a year into it. And, and it still sucks. They don't, know, they don't know how to get people on this, on yeah. these exchanges. They yeah. can't do it. Now, and doctors don't even know what ex- when they're covered or when they're and not. And they're losing yeah. doctors. Yeah. Um, but we're running super late. But before, you, before we go, we have one more clip of your interview last oh, night boy. with uh, Ed Schultz. Uh, let's watch. <laughs> Dana, let me go back to you. 
Was there junk insurance in the industry before this law? Yes or no? Well, first off, we're not going to frame the questions that way. Why Did, not? Do what I do you mean? You're, what, are you talking, yes. what are you talking about? Hold up. Because, you're talking, can I we're not going to frame the questions that more? way? Okay. You just, did you just bring me on here to yell at me for 10 minutes? No, I, I want you to back? answer the questions. Ah! I want no, you to right, answer the questions. It. Was there junk insurance? I'm giving you an opportunity here. This is how you need I'm giving you an opportunity. This is how you need to ask it. I'm doing the interview here, Dana. Do I believe that insurance was perfect? Dana, this isn't working. You're being very rude. You're not the host of the show. You're not the host of the show. I'm going to give you the floor for 30 seconds. Go ahead. Go ahead and yell at me. Oh, wait. You have the floor oh, guys, for 30 seconds. Go again? ahead. Okay. Do I believe that health insurance needed to be reformed? Absolutely. I completely believe that there's a number of things that we could have done. We could have increased portability. We could have decoupled business from people's health from people's health insurance so that they could always maintain their health insurance, no matter if they had to change jobs or not. One of the things that I wish we could do and I wish government would do, and I hope, Ed, that our Republican Congress takes this opportunity to do, is to increase competition. Mm -hmm. He's, he's, yeah. he's impossible. It's impossible. Yeah, I mean, you did, you did a great job, and yeah. I, I don't know. I, I, it was fun. It, it looked I just like kind of enjoy it. You, it's funny because you. I, I will say that he looks just from the optics perspective. He looks angry. Yeah, well, he looks he is frustrated. Angry. He looks like a jerk. And of course, all of those things he is. Right. But you are sitting there and you're smiling, <laughs> and you and you're and you're taking these points. You're trying to answer controlled. them honestly. You're controlled. You're. I mean. You know, you you obviously won. I don't need to tell you that, oh. but uh, you know, it's. I mean, and, I, and as as angry as he gets, I actually really enjoy this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. You, I mean, this is what my holiday tables were like. People would argue <laughs> over the Bible or over best type of guns, and so you know, I'm kind of used to going out with this. So it's just it's kind of normal. Uh, well, you went in there with a gun into a knife fight, uh, yes. and uh, it was uh, it was nice to well, see. Well, thank you guys well for done. the kind words that you said and for your voices yeah. this morning, which is hysterical. <laughs> and thank you for the cookie butter from your wife. I oh. need to say that and give you props now. Yes, finally. I, finally I, got I it ate through. a third of the jar already. It's really good, isn't it? Do you oh ever have cookie heavens. butter? I, I didn't uh, receive any cookie butter. This is a new thing. It's like peanut butter, but it's like made out of cookies. It's what? Yeah, yeah, America. Really? It's unbelievable. This is capitalism. Wow. You you you, wanna, you think there's freaking cookie butter in Cutter? No. No. There is. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's no cookie butter in in in, uh, in Madagascar. I can promise you that that happens here. That's infidel product. Yeah. <laughs> Dana Lash, uh, the thank show is on tonight, Good job. and uh, thank you so much. Thank you guys. Triple eight seven two seven back. More Pat and Stu coming up. Thanks, Dana. That was awesome. Unbelievable. He is such a buffoon. Oh. The, the uh, Joe Biden, the, the middle class Joe clip, because I love it. I just, I love, I love the middle class Joe phenomenon. We discovered this a while ago, several months ago, and uh, he just continues to do this thing uh, where he claims that the media always refers to him as middle class Joe. Now, none of us had ever seen that. No. So Stu actually looked it up. And the only references to middle class Joe you found were what? Were, were articles like uh, um, Biden, who often refers to himself as middle class Joe. <laughs> 
In so, like virtually every case, right? Yeah, every, everyone we could find was him <laughs> saying, was a, a news organization noting the fact that he likes to call himself Middle Class Joe. Not that anyone else has ever come up with that nickname for him. He just calls himself that and, and wants it to be in press reports. Bizarre. Yeah. It's bizarre. Here, here he is again doing it. In the end, this all means economic growth and jobs, job to help build the middle class. So let me be clear what I mean by the middle class. Okay, be clear. I have a lot of very good mean? economists to work for me. Mm-hmm. And when I said middle class, the first time I said it, and I'm referred to as middle class Joe as if uh, – and in Washington, that's not meant as a compliment. It means you're not sophisticated. Mm-hmm. Hmm. No, that's not. No. No, Joe. And that wasn't exactly the same one we just played uh, from earlier this week. But uh, the one earlier this week, he says that the media always refers to him as middle class Joe. Mm-hmm. And, the, and the, the opposite is true. The media never refers to him as such, except to reference that he calls himself that. Really weird. I mean, it just shows what a buffoon and what a disingenuous politician he is. Yeah, and, and my, you know, uh, speculating a little bit, you know, Joe Biden is thinking about running for president. He wants yeah. everyone to think of him as associated as class positively guy. with the middle class. Yeah. He's a regular guy. And so he says, well, what we could do is I'll come out and keep saying it. They keep calling me middle class Joe, and then it'll just become a thing. Well, we're, we, you know, we're calling him out on that. Uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, like the, the other news sources have noticed it by the way. I mean, we're, we're making a big deal about it, but they've noticed it. It's, mm-hmm. you know, it's a subtle dig. He often refers to himself. I guarantee one of Biden's PR people were on the phone saying, don't say he always refers to, just say, just say the name. You don't need to say that he <laughs> refers to himself that way. Why are you saying it like that? Uh, because it's true. Uh, no, everybody knows him as middle-class Joe. Uh, we look That's what at, everybody calls we him. We can't find one example of that, Mr. <laughs> Biden. Uh, so, I love it. Know. I love it. Well, middle class Mark, uh, I think he, uh, the media refers to him a lot, Mark Cuban, as middle class Mark, even though he's a billionaire. Um, but he, middle class Mark. <laughs> I've never heard that. Yeah, a lot. Really? People are always calling him middle class Mark, oh, okay. despite the fact that he's got billions and billions of dollars. But he uh, was sounded off on Obama's plan for the Internet, for this internet, for this net neutrality thing. This is great because we've been, we probably started talking about net neutrality Four or five years ago, so it, mm-hmm. it's it's been a long time. And the 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 reason we did it in the first place was because they this was one of the, the one of the kingpins of Obama's uh, fundamental transformation of America. This was part of it. You got to shut down the internet. You got you've got to stop all of these uh, voices from being heard because they've they've squeezed down the amount of conservatism on the airwaves. Uh, to about Fox News and us, and and everybody else is liberal, and everybody else is just singing their praises. So if they could just squish down the internet voices too, if they can tamp that down, they're in total control, and and they could they could rule the roost for who knows how long. Um, so there was a an organization called Free Press, which was formed and peopled by Marxists. In fact, the guy's name escapes me now, but he. He ran a an actual socialist Marxist magazine. Do you remember what the name of it was? In fact, it was called Marxism Today or something like that. Marxist Monthly, Socialist Monthly, I, I don't know. He goes from that to founding Free Press and hires some other Marxists to run this thing with him. And they launched this campaign uh, with the administration to bring about net neutrality. Now, they did that 
by claiming that the reason that you hear the same song on the radio all the time is because one company owns all of the radio stations. Well, Remember that? Yeah. It was yeah. kind of mm -hmm. an attack on Clear Channel mm -hmm. in the beginning. Mm -hmm. um, and since that's really not the, the deal anymore, nobody cares about that, apparently, that tack didn't work. Now they're claiming that Netflix will go away. Yeah, your Netflix uh, viewing will be stopped or it will slow down, or you might not be able to watch your favorite movie on Netflix anymore uh, unless they protect the Internet. Well, where is that coming from? Yeah. First of all, I guess there's a few instances of Comcast doing this to people. I should but go, can I do the Pat walk Yeah, do the, okay, do the walk. Okay, I'm going to do the Pat walk over here real quick. All right. This always, uh, it's, good, mm -hmm. it's good television, good radio when people just walk to go get a piece of paper off their desk, but mm -hmm. I thought I'd just do that real quick. There's this thing that came out. Uh, bashing Ted Cruz. Uh, we were actually in an inner uh, a meeting yesterday with uh, Buck Sexton was in there and Buck mm -hmm. uh, was talking about Ted Cruz's tweet about called uh, it simplistic. Yeah, like yeah. basically saying overly like simplistic, overly simplistic take on it. And of course, I guess everything is an overly simplistic. Well, take on I Twitter. mean, you just yeah, it's it was a, on Twitter. It's 140, char like, 140 characters, right? Yeah, it's but, not going to be in depth. Yeah, like, you yeah, know, but I think there's a lot of similarities there. This is something that um, has come out in response to uh, to this uh, to t uh, Ted Cruz's tweet. And it's been passed around quite a bit um, and is a very uh, condescending thing. But I thought that it would be interesting to go through because it covers what you're just talking about. Um, so, uh, Ted Cruz, yeah, this morning you tweeted the following. Net neutrality is Obamacare for the Internet. The Internet should not operate at the speed of government. This led me to, as to assume one of two things. Thing one, when you accepted campaign funds from telecom lobbyists last year, they asked you publicly to publicly smear net neutrality. Now, Comcast gives, their CEO is a hardcore leftist. He golfs mm -hmm. with President Obama all the time. Okay? They hate they us. They hate us. This is this idea that uh, that Ted Cruz is some giant beneficiary of telecom bullcrap. You know, both sides get money from telecom. They, they, the people who oppose net neutrality and support net neutrality get tons of money from telecom. Mm -hmm. It happens all the time. It has nothing to do with the story. And number thing number two, which is what they really mean, uh, um, is you don't know what net neutrality is. Okay, they don't know, so they're going to explain this to us because we don't know what it is. Okay. There's very little I can do about number one, so I'll instead work on fixing number two. And, Which uh, I, I don't even know that there's any evidence that he received any money from a Comcast. Yeah, I, I don't know. They, Did he they, receive any money from them? They link to a story from The Consumerist. I, I, but okay, I, it, we'll they, look that but up. It would not be surprising to me. I mean, you know, oh, geez, we're running so late. We better break. I'm never going to get through this. Let's take a break. We'll All come right. back on the other side with it. 888-727-BECK is the phone number. Back in a second. So this uh, website uh, that's being passed around quite a bit is uh, trying to explain to us idiots why Ted Cruz is wrong about net neutrality. All right. Uh, says the Internet, the throbbing, fractious, hydra of worrying, blinking hard drives, which serves as a collective sum of all human thought, uh, was founded on one principle, that all information is treated equally. 
I mean, you know, I know the founder, one of the people who created the Internet. Again, the, the Internet was created long before the people that are now claiming uh, responsibility for it are, you know, were even born, probably. Um, mm. But, you know, some people do say that that is one of the founding principles. I don't know that. I mean, certainly one of the founding principles, though, was to do, you know, to have computers at, you know, universities talk to each other. You know, I mean, it's changed quite a bit. Mm -hmm. um, so... Again, you know, you could make that decision if you're the one who runs it, right? Like if you are, if you set down wires, you get to make that decision. If Comcast wants to make that decision, uh, they can. They can decide to adopt that policy. Um, I know this sounds like a bunch of hippie mumbo jumbo. If not, it's not. Let me explain. Imagine if Comcast created a search engine that no one would like. Their example, Friggle, which actually does feel like it would be the name of a search engine. Now imagine if Comcast forced you to use that search engine every time you tried to access Google. So you try to type in Google and it just sends you to Friggle. Imagine that. Now you have to imagine it because it doesn't happen. You'd have to imagine it because it's not real. Mm -hmm. But let's imagine it for now. You could get very. And it's not real because there's not a problem. Right. Because it doesn't. That doesn't happen. Right. That, there's no company that. There's no company that does that. None. Again, we're doing preemptive legislation. Here. Mm -hmm. They could do this by slowing down your internet service. Oh boy. Um, or they could interrupt it with ads. No, oh, no. Okay. Um, or they could simply block your access. Okay. Now, this is an extreme scenario and not a very likely one, but it <laughs> illustrates... Oh, not even likely. This is their good argument, by the way. But it illustrates oh. how net neutrality works to keep the Internet free, open, and fair. It prevents telecom companies such as Time Warner, Comcast, or Cox from discriminating, that word, discriminating against various types of web traffic when it fits their business needs. Um, so is that... Uh, first, let's, starting there, if they did do this, would this be an issue? Of course, you'd go to another company. Uh, you could. Uh, they, it's their, their, their wires, their, their services, their, if their systems. If Comcast sent me to Friggle mm -hmm. every time I typed in Google, mm -hmm. I'm, switching I'm switching to Dish or mm -hmm. someone else, mm -hmm. you know, Verizon. And if they do it, I switch to another company. Yep. And if every company did it, somebody would think, hmm, hmm. everybody else is doing this. What if I offered them an opportunity to go where they wanted to go? Amazingly, are you, are you telling me the market wouldn't work that out? Of course they would. And if, amazingly, would. almost no one is doing it. And still, uh, the, the, every company is basically taking the stance of, yeah, it's pretty much equal. They want the right to be able to do it in, in certain, certain circumstances that are not foreseen in the future. But none of them are really doing it. Now they say, wait a minute. Because here's me saying the idiot. There's, that's nonsense. You're a conspiracy theorist. But no telecom company would ever do that. They already have. Now, again, this is their best argument for net neutrality. Last year, Comcast demanded that Netflix pay them millions of dollars or they were going to slow down Internet speeds of customers who were trying to stream Netflix movies. During negotiations, Comcast throttled the bandwidth of Netflix users in order to bully Netflix into pa paying massive fines. And it worked. The, the bandwidth strangling did its job and Netflix was, uh, was forced to pay Comcast. You okay. mean, okay, so Comcast forced Netflix... To pay more money for using their service. Right. Now, Com Whoa. because, why? Whoa. Because when you go to the Drudge Whoa. Report, uh, you go to the Drudge Whoa. Report, right? There's a bunch of text on the screen. Mm -hmm. you, when you go to Netflix, you're streaming high-definition video to yeah. your s giant flat screen. Mm -hmm. Okay? It is a, there's a lot more being used here. And people say, well, you know, but they, they still have extra space. That's not, the, that's not your determination, really. I mean, you don't get to make that determination. They do. It's their service. And if you don't want to use Netflix, there's a business choice to be made there. 
If I'm Comcast and I say, I'm not going to carry Netflix, there's a bunch of people who are going to leave my service because they want Netflix. And if, if I believe that Netflix should be paying more for my service, I risk losing those customers. Mm-hmm. But I have to make that determination as a business. Um, and it goes on. They show a graph of, of how the, uh, the, 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 stra- the, the, the um, traffic was throttled through uh, Comcast until they came to an agreement. But again, the agreement is what? Is this bad? The agreement is what? The agreement was made. They paid millions of dollars, and now you have your service. Right. Did your, did your Netflix bill go up uh, 3,000%? It may eventually go up a little bit, but they're using someone else's delivery system. Why should they be able to do that for free? Mm-hmm. Why is there some right to stream freaking Hunger Games to your television? That is not a human right. That is not a, a, <laughs> it is not the thing that justifies government intervention. And again, be Ugh. clear, that's what this is. The Internet already is free. Mm-hmm. It already is able for everybody to do what they want on it. It, with the exception of some of the things Jeffy tries to do. But the vast majority of things on the Internet are allowed, and that the, net neutrality is a new regulation on the Internet. It is telling people who create the Internet and bring these services to your home that they can't do things they want to do with their wires. Let me ask you this. Look at this, look at this, uh, look at this tweet from Ed Schultz. Now what do you have to say? Glenn Beck says, this is from Ed Schultz, mm-hmm. at We Got Ed... Glenn Beck says net neutrality will kill us all. No, he actually didn't say that. Nice to see a big reversal and side with unions, the workers he has vilified for years. That guy can't get one single sentence correct. First of all... Mm. Uh, the side with unions, I don't care who's on this side. Good. Yeah, see, we, good. Have, prin- we have principles that, so we make yeah. the decision based on the issue, not on who our right. friends are. Not That's on, not on who you. else might be for it yeah. or against it. We're mm-hmm. for it because we have that principle of freedom. And then, and then he turns it from the unions to the workers. Glenn has never vilified workers. No, never vilified the workers. Not once, not Ever. This guy's such a and buffoon. Then, such a hideous If buffoon. we could add on to that, because you skipped the first sentence, Glenn Beck did not say net neutrality <laughs> will kill us all. He thinks it's a bad idea right. for the Internet, and it's a terrible thing to let government get their hands in this. There's no... Think of this Netflix issue, which is the one they always cite, and the only one, by the way, that they cite, the Netflix issue. In theory, they, other companies could do this. All right, well, let's just take that down the road for a little bit. What, five years from now, when Internet speeds through, through wireless are much faster, and I can already, by the way, get Netflix on my thro- phone through uh, my wireless data plan. I can already get it. I don't, even, I don't even need to look into the future for this. But let's just say your Internet isn't, you know, in your area isn't as, as fast as uh, my AT&T wireless. So you go through the situation where... You'd be able to go to a million different places to get this. Once you have these speeds, you'll be able to do that. Then, but then they will already have the legislation. They will tweak that legislation. The rulemaking process with people like Cass Sunstein go through that, and they tweak and they make things happen for their buddies. They price out other people who are trying to get into this industry. This is how this stuff starts. When Social Security started, it was a Social Security insurance. It was supposed to be for widows who outlived uh, their, their husbands. It, it didn't kick in until after life expectancy. Now it's your right. Everyone gets it. Bill Gates gets Social Security. 
It's absurd. And these things always expand and are always made worse by government. Fortunately, 61% of the American people are on the right side of this issue. 61 yep. to 26, Inc even with this effort from the administration. Including, by the way, uh, uh, middle class Mark Cuban, who says uh, the government will F the Internet up. <laughs> He's so right. He is it. totally Thank right. you, middle class Thank Mark. Thank you. Triple eight seven two seven back. More patents to us coming. Is there a dumber person on the planet? And then Ed, Ed Schultz. Schultz. I, not that I can think is. of right now. It, well, Jeffy. Uh, no. No, mm -hmm. well, Jeffy. This is the one compliment I'm going to give him. Yeah, smarter than Ed. Think, well, think about smarter Jeffy. Than Ed. Hashtag, that's what you should use today. Hashtag smarter than Ed. Suddenly, for some reason, because I had to play, we were talking about the Marxist organization, Free Press, and, and they were one of the instigators of this butt-stupid plan of net neutrality because they're trying to fix a problem that does not exist. And really, they're not trying to fix any problem. They're trying to create one for the American people. But Free Press ran this ad in the beginning. This was, I don't know, 2009 or 10. And uh, we took this on at the time. Here's uh, just a quick reminder. Ever wonder why you get 500 channels, but there's nothing good on TV? No. Now, first of all, is that the truth? Are there 500 channels and nothing's on? No, that's not true. That was a bad uh, Bruce Springsteen song. Wasn't it 88 channels and nothing on? Yeah. Oh, yeah. God, he I mean, sucks. Sometimes there's not what you want to watch, but somebody else really wants good. to watch it, right? right? And I, by the way, you can usually find something you want to watch on Usually, YouTube. yes. I mean, something. It might not be the best show in the world, but you can find something. Exactly. Or why your high-speed internet is so slow. Yes, sometimes it takes me at least a second or sometimes 1.5 seconds to switch from one yeah. website to another. That hacks me that off. hacks me off. And by the I way, want to gain time when I move from one site to another. <laughs> by the way, Pat, on both of these circumstances so far, both of them are better than they've ever been. Yes, so correct. So never has been better, ever. And, and I love this point right here. This one's going to clinch it for net neutrality right here. And so expensive? Mm -hmm. Or why you always hear the same music on the radio? Why I always yeah. hear the same music? That's because uh, net neutrality isn't in force. That's because people like to hear the same Taylor Swift song 14 times a day. Because they say, hey, would you play Taylor Swift? Shake it off for me. And the DJ says, yes, it's coming up right now. And then 15 minutes later, somebody who didn't hear it before calls and says, hey, how about Taylor Swift? Swift, shake it off so they play it again. <laughs> okay, that's why. Well, that an extensive testing of the audience, yes. which shows that shows that everybody wants to hear it. Yes, but yeah, but other than that, it's net neutrality. Seven back. It's bad. Stu, Jeffy over there. Eh. 
Sorry. Sorry. Yeah, we, we I know. Apologize. What are you going to do? You know? We're working on it. Let's just put it this way. We're working on it. We got EEOE rules that we have to abide by. So, you know. We're trying our best to rectify the situation is what we're saying. But, I mean, we're bound by law to hire the stupid from time to time. And so we did. And there he is. Now, look, MSNBC does it. Oh, my gosh. In spades. They're very much in. They've gone above and beyond. They have. You know, they've conquered that rule about hiring the stupid like Jeffy conquered anorexia. Mm-hmm. They beat the crap out of it. I Good for them. I not making fun of that horrific oh, disease. No. no, I'm not. No, I am not, Jeff. Okay. I'm just proud of the way you overcame it. <laughs> you just struggle with it all the time. Uh, we were talking about the uh, the free press thing, the, the way they set this thing up with net neutrality. They were trying to get They were trying to get it in your head. That there's 500 channels on television, but nothing to watch. They're trying to get it in your head that the speeds that are so unbelievably fast, even when you're flying at 35,000 feet going 600 miles an hour in, in an airplane, and you're, and you're on a plane and you can get internet access and you can email people and you can browse websites and, and you can do that faster than we used to be able to do it on the ground. Uh, they're trying to say that's too slow, that your service is too slow. Good gosh. And then, uh, or you ever wonder why the same song is played over and over and over again on the radio? And we were talking about the fact that it's because people want to hear the same. When, when a big song comes out, like, for instance, Taylor Swift and, and Shake It Off Right Now, uh, people want to hear that over and over and over. And if you don't play it, they're going to go find it at some other radio station. Mm-hmm. So radio stations usually put those kinds of songs in. Yeah, believe fastest it. rotation I've ever seen is about 90 minutes. Every 90 minutes they play the song. It's so funny that's too. A lot. Yeah, and that's it's a lot. That's it's a lot. 90 minutes would be about a, you know over 100 plays per week, which is about the peak of where I ever, whatever station I ever worked at. I yeah, remember seeing I think occasionally. Mine was usually two hours, 15 minutes. Yeah. But again, like, but. what motivation is there, right? Like, why? The theory is you want to hear a different song, but the radio station decides to play songs you don't want to hear because of some mysterious force. Like there's this because they're a they just throw things around like oh well big corporation they're just playing the same crap they over trying and again. to blame it on uh, Clear Channel. Yeah, and of course the the real reason behind this is because while you what the, the radio station's job is is to give a lot of people things that they like. Mm-hmm. Not to give every, like, you can't give everyone everything they love. Right. I like ridiculous songs from, you know, Fiona Apple that aren't even singles. That's what I love. My son. That's why, like, Pandora works, because I can go to the Fiona Apple channel and I'll hear those songs. But if a radio station started playing them, it would fail miserably. I'd love it, and no one else would. My son likes this group called the Fleet Foxes. Mm. It's like a, I don't know, they're like a... Uh, you know, they remind me of the new Christy Minstrels or Peter, Paul, and Mary or something. Really? Yeah, the it's like 60s boxes. folk music or something. And um, and so, no, he's not getting a lot of that on the radio. No. And it's because people are not programming to somebody who likes what? the Fleet Foxes. They're programming to who likes, you know, the the vast majority of people and what do they right. like. You yeah. can't You can't program for just one person. That's why now there is Pandora. And where did that happen? On, on the, the internet, internet, the unregulated without internet. net neutrality, mm-hmm. and then you can go to iHeartRadio, and then you can go to Spotify, and you've got a million different o- o- options now. Why? Uh, the internet. I mean, seriously, how is it? It's crazy. Possible for anyone to believe 
that we have a problem with our entertainment choices right now. There has never in human history been anything remotely close to what we have right now. You can stream any song or any video on your phone pretty much anywhere you go in the country. It's it's, incredible. It's frankly why uh, radio is kind of falling apart right now. I mean, it's having a hard time. It's why the blaze is being successful, because we're building something a little bit different. Mm -hmm. Um, Terrestrial radio is... It's having its troubles. It's having some troubles. Television is having some trouble. There's going to be some changes in the future. you got to keep up. you got to move forward. Maybe even try to be ahead of the curve a little bit in order to to make it. That's why we've never been a radio company, per se. I mean, it's about the content. Do you want... I mean, look at this show. This show airs on Blaze Radio and it airs on Blaze Television. Mm -hmm. It doesn't matter what format you receive it in. It doesn't matter what device you get it in. That's all mechanics. The point is, what's the content? Um, and that's kind of what I think Glenn was talking about last night, partially. He's, you know, he's he's going in a place where he wants to make his content, uh, first of all, something he's passionate about. Yep. Second of all, something that's interesting uh, and, uh, and and compelling to yeah. the people. And he explained that last night. Here's a look at that. If you missed it. Or not, there's a lot more to tell you, um, but I'm not going to bore you with all the details. This afternoon, I spent a couple of hours at a radio conference in Studio 8H with some of the brightest minds in the industry from all over the world to discuss the future of radio. Um, we are going to change just about everything that we do on radio. We are already, believe it or not, a huge force. Not, I'm not talking about my show, but the Blaze Radio is already a huge source. It is the 18th largest um, radio source in the country right now, and every other competitor of ours is—they're all groups of you know radio stations. Um, it's pretty remarkable what this little band of um, renegades have done with your help. But um, I have a new vision, and um, we're going to start um, heading in another direction entirely. For months, we've also been working behind the scenes to revamp this program. I told you um, that five years ago, I started to hear you're standing in the wrong place. That wasn't just meaning um, you have to leave Fox. It means you're doing the wrong thing. I honestly have not understood. I don't know what to do. I I haven't known. Until a year ago. Um, I'll tell you the story um, some other time, but we have spent a year now creating a pilot for the 5 o'clock show. I'm not ready to show it to you yet, but I will soon. And the changes, this set was actually built for that pilot. The changes that we're making are not simple formulaic changes. It's not, we're going to change a little of this and change a little of that. It is a feeling, and you will know it when you see it. When we filmed the pilot over the summer, I was telling the audience as they came in that outside of Stage 19 in the think tank, there was no audio at the time. You could only see the pictures of what was coming out of Stage 19. And there were a group of people that were not, they were working for us, but they were not connected to the pilot, so they didn't know what was going on. And I was told afterwards that this group of people were standing and just watching the picture without any sound, and they were all crying. Um, it was a powerful day, and anybody who was here um, working on that pilot will tell you there was, a, there was a presence here. It was a different show, and I believe 
It is the show that I was actually born to do. September 2015 is my target to relaunch this broadcast, along with a few other things that I know you are going to be excited about. I also want to give you an update. We have asked you to go to American Dream Labs if you have seen some of the things that we have done and, um, and help us with some of these projects, whether just by spreading the word or by um, uh, um, uh, praying for us or purchasing either a T-shirt or we have these paintings um, here done by the head of the American Dream Labs that you can buy for Christmas and all of the money is going into produce some of these things. I just came from upstairs, the American Dream Labs, uh, and I just greenlit um, the History House. So we hope to have the first 13 weeks of History House ready very soon. The first one we're going to premiere here at the studios and then shortly thereafter um, on television. Um, we're going to premiere that the week of Easter, which should be fairly appropriate. We have big, big dreams, and I will tell you, the, the Facebook posts are remarkable. I just want to read this, this one. Holy cow, I just saw the History House. I love stop-motion animation. Caroline and Nightmare Before Christmas are two of my favorite movies of all time. I love anyone who's going to try to bring that back in style. I just can't believe it's Glenn Beck that's doing this. I really loved what I just saw. Who is this guy? My brain is still trying to adjust. I'm very excited to see this. I wanted to read this one to you because there's a lot of them that are coming in. People are saying, wait, 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 wait. I thought I hated you. What is this? Bingo. There is the key. We have so much we unite on. Why are we spending all of our time talking about the things that divide us? This week has all been about full disclosure. Um, it was like a big shareholders meeting because we are truly in this together. I have said this is the network you're building. You're building it. Whether it is $10 a month as you sign up and become a member or whether it's just you just watching and, and, and praying for us. We're partners in this. I want to be very clear about what our goals are so you understand what is motivating us going forward. Most importantly, so you understand where I'm coming from and what I believe I have to do. Um, because I just think you should know. We're partners. Culture is our primary battlefield. Um, it's not our only battlefield. I'm getting a lot of questions, people saying, are you guys not going to do news? No, we're clearly going to do news. I want you to think of this as, as more of like ABC or the old CBS, where CBS could do 60 Minutes, but they also did Murder, She Wrote. You know, they also did I Love Lucy. Um, uh, you know, ABC has ABC, Disney, and ESPN. They do all kinds of things. So I want you to know, I've said this from the beginning, People think that I've been building Fox. I'm not building Fox. We already have Fox. What we need is a network that actually produces magic again, plus gives you the information based on the principles that we hold dear. So we're going to launch a full-scale invasion in the culture with the weapons of faith, truth, love, great people, and the best storytelling we can do. When I got up this morning... And I don't have any idea why. I actually, this is weird. I looked at my alarm clock and I heard, I, I almost said it out loud. I heard the voice of the first lady when she said this. Remember? Barack knows that we are going to have to make sacrifices 
We are going to have to change our conversation. We're going to have to change our traditions, our history. We're going to have to move into a different place uh, as a nation to provide the kind of future that we all want desperately okay. for. Our we children. don't all want that. We don't all want that. Um, we don't want to change our history, but. It is undeniable that is exactly what's happening. When in Fort Worth, they are now teaching that the pill in Fort Worth, Texas, this is not San Francisco, California, that they are now teaching that the pilgrims are America's first terrorists. Our culture is changing. Our history is changing. So we can fight it, but that's you're not going to win that. We have to create the culture. We I am putting a call out all hands on deck. Every artist, every musician, everybody, you're doing something great. Continue to do it. If there's a way to connect at some point, great. We may not ever connect, but we have to know you're important because we're charting a new course, one that penetrates the hearts and minds and inspires people. That's an important word, inspires people to follow. Follow principles, not people, not men, principles. I believe this is the only thing that we can do. I believe th this is why we have to dedicate this much time. We have to give it it all, give it our life's blood, because this is the only thing left. We're sicker than I thought we were. The patient is critical. You better start pumping lifeblood into it, and those are the stories of who you really are. There were two companies, there were actually three, they were big wagon build builders. There was um, the Conestoga wagon, and then there was the um, Studebaker wagon. We've all heard of Conestoga wagons. Those are the ones that took everybody over the plains, right? Those were the Rolls Royce, believe it or not. That's what you got. You dish out Rolls Royce. A Conestoga wagon was the best wagon built. Next one was, um, uh, was Studebaker. At some point, this fancy newfangled horseless carriage came out. And Conestoga said... That makes too much noise. Nobody wants that, that contraption. That's not going to work. We make the best wagons. We're staying in the wagon business. Studebaker said, eh, I think that we're actually we're going to go into the car business because I think that's where you should place your bet. They retooled their entire company. When Studebaker actually started making cars, in the 19, I think it was in the 1950s, they actually made the Studebaker Conestoga as almost a backhanded slap in the face, you know, 70 years later of like, hey, dummies, you better change. So what this means is we have to be self-starters. We have to see that things are changing and we have to get away from the school systems that are teaching our children, think as a group, think as a group. You better think as an individual or you will be lost because everything is changing. In this radio meeting I had today, here's what I said to the radio guys. Guys, you know who you're competing against? You used to compete against CBS, ABC, Clear Channel. That's who you used to compete against. You used to compete against a radio station in town that would, would, would hire a new disc jockey or a new morning show. That was your competitor. You know who you're competing against now? Everybody, you're competing against, and told a story about a girl, she's 16 years old. One of the guys came in from New York City. He said, I'm walking down uh, New York City, and there's this, there's this line three blocks long waiting to meet somebody. 
And he's like, he kept walking, walking up and thinking, who is, who are people standing in line to meet? He said, Glenn, I, don't, I can't even tell you her name. She's a 16-year-old girl who records a podcast once a week. I've never even heard of her. You're in competition with everybody who has a brain. It is the, it's the, it's the chance for the individual. No, nothing will be in your way soon. Now that can either scare you or it can light a fire under you and go, this is going to be good. Here's um, 10 things about America that shock first-time visitors Mm. to this nation. 10 things about the country that shock people who are here for the first time. Uh, This girl. This girl eating a sandwich. Um, That shocks people. They're like, look, that girl is eating a sandwich? It looks like a Big Mac. I can't believe that. (laughs) And then they run out of the country. um, Wait, they let girls eat here? (laughs) (laughs) People from from Iran come here and say, why is she out of the home? Uh, No, actually, smiling. Uh, Apparently, uh, the American smile mm -hmm. shocks people. Americans are known to smile a lot, and Mm -hmm. this is surprising for non-Americans. But, of course... That's how that's how we that's how we roll. That is how we roll. And and it's interesting because, you know, I've mentioned a few times my son just served a two year mission in uh, Finland. So he was there with those people for two years. And he said they're so reserved. They're not they're not like us. They don't smile at strangers. You mind your own business. You do your own thing. You don't like you don't interact with people you don't know. And so it's kind of weird because. When he came back, he's, he's, he was really disconcerted by the noise level because everybody's talking to everybody else. And he's, he wasn't used to that because for two years he'd been where people are quiet all the time. Shh. I guess it's really quiet in Finland. And so when people got That's together and were laughing and talking and ha- being friendly with each other and having a good time, it was really loud to That's him. Really and he strange. took him a while to get used to that. Uh, the friendliness of the people is another thing they're shocked by. It's not even uncommon for them to chat with strangers while on public transportation, waiting in line or inside an elevator. I, I, I personally don't like that, inside an elevator. No. Don't talk to me. I, I don't even look at me in an elevator. Particularly I don't know why. if your name is I, Ray I like Rice, it. I really don't want to hear from you in an elevator. Right. That's another minor uh, <laughs> distinction there. And um, don't, don't forget the ultimate how are you question where you'll expect answers like good, not much, or fine. It's only a common phrase or greeting that shouldn't be taken literally. But non-Americans, it poses a serious question, and an honest answer might be given, and that's kind of culture shock for them and for us. So, so. we kind of throw it out there as like, hey, how yeah. you doing? And then, ah, fine. Yeah. And they would say, how you doing? Uh, well, my, uh, my country, finances are uh, My down. uncle was just killed by our <laughs> dictator. Well, oh, I, I just wow, thought you'd say fine. I, I, I'm sorry I asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> how about uh, supersized meals in the doggy bag? For foreigners, the huge meal portions can already be good for sharing, mm. and some shake their heads and say how unhealthy the sizes are. I Shut up. You know what? <laughs> Come over yeah, here and yell at our shut sizes. Up. Shut up. Uh, however, uh, the, Look at the size of that thing. Where'd you get that? I want to go there. 
I want to go there. Where's our head-sized burger? Where is the burger like that thing? Uh, that's not particularly descriptive. That's, but, a, um, that's uh, a good question, though. It is a good question. Um, I, the idea of taking home a doggy bag is thought to be a great idea for some who don't want to waste food, but is otherwise disgusting for others. I'm, you know, they, they have the situation now uh, when you go to um, uh, when you go to uh, like uh, what the heck is it? Magianos is one of the places, and there's a right. few of them that do this. And when you go there, like you order, <clears throat> there's a menu, and you say, "All right, I'm going to take um, I'll take ravioli." And then mm. they say, okay, and what's your second choice? And you're like, what? And like, yeah, your, what's your take-home choice? Like, what? I don't want to take any home. I'm going to eat here. Or maybe I'll take home what I haven't finished off of my plate. They go, no, no, no. Part of the deal is yeah. you order ravioli there, you eat your ravioli there. Then you take home fettuccine Alfredo for the road. It's all included. What? Yeah, it's yeah. awesome. And you take it home, I and then you have it for dinner that. the next night. And so you're getting two that. dinners for the price of one. Oh, my gosh, that's great. It's a great idea. So is the one dinner really expensive? No, not really. I mean, really? you know, again, pasta isn't example. particularly expensive yeah. anyway. So, uh, yeah, like that's what I, last time I went there, I had something. I think it was like ravioli or Is there a Maggiano's here? There is one uh, in, there's definitely one in Dallas. I think it's North Park. Yeah, North Park Mall. I don't know why we're discussing that on national television, but uh, it's, at, it's at North Park Mall. You guys at North Park Mall? You got to take, okay, you take 114 <laughs> to, uh, to 635, and then take the loop around. Yeah, take a loop and, around. You uh, take it, a left you once it. you get off the exit there. But Maggiano's is a good Italian place if you've never been there. I, I like I like. That's another place that's... Watch out for the traffic on 635. It's always a beast. It's been under construction since 1972. Yeah, well, that's true. Oh, jeez. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I... We, we won't bore you with our <laughs> construction problems, no. but they're heinous here. Heinous. However, yes. that having been said, right. they do progress through that construction. And Not on 635, done. they don't. Not on 635. Well, it's perennially, they eternally have. They have. torn up. All right. Tipping is another thing that surprises uh, foreigners uh, when they come here for the first time. Wait staff, bartenders, cab drivers, hotel employees, almost anybody in the service industry, everybody's tipped. And, you know, what, what is a, for, you know, obviously at restaurants, it's like 20%, right? Everybody pretty much gives 18 to 20% now. Yeah, I mean, I think 50, I do. 15 people go as low as 15. Right? I mean, I, 15 I, you know, people go above 20. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think around 20% is probably average. They say the rule is uh, to tip not less than 15%. And although it's right. considered voluntary giving less than the accepted percentage, or not anything at all is pretty looked down upon. It's 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 like an unwritten law that you must tip. And this is what foreigners often rant about when in America. One of the most common things, yeah. which actually is not surprising. If you went to a place and they're like, "All right, this costs twenty bucks," you got it. Obviously, you got to give twenty four though. Like what? Wait, what? No. Wait, like why? for whatever reason in the restaurant industry, yeah. that's just what we do. Why doesn't their boss pay them appropriately so I don't have to? Right. I mean, you'd be paying them either way, I guess. But I, I guess so. And, and, and in theory, like a conservative <laughs> should like pay by performance, right? Like you know, you really like someone, you're getting but it's them not more. That. It's, but it's really not that. I, mean, I, I think it kind if, of is if you if you know the restaurant industry a little bit and, and just from working in it over the years. I, when I worked, I worked at Chili's in uh, in North Lauderdale, Florida. And I made two twelve an hour, which was even then below the minimum wage. Did so, you choose to work there? What's that? Did you choose to work there, or did they force you? 
Did somebody say you must work here as a sentence? That is not, however, material to the story. Yes, it is. No, it's not. Because that's how I chose to work there under those circumstances in Uh which tips were part of the circumstance. (laughs) So, yes, I did choose to work there. When you choose to work for $2.12 an hour, that's your pay. $2.12 an hour. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Not if you work in a tip (laughs) industry. (laughs) Yes, it is. Right? Yes. No, it's not. Thank you for being with me, Jeffy. I used to have a real problem with Now, I've given up this argument completely. Yes. Because I just really re- realized it's a reality of life. Deal with it. it. Is. And so I do. And so I tip generously. And I, it used to piss me off. It doesn't anymore. I, I'm happy to do it now. But, um, but I used to have the feeling, let your employer pay you. Oh, I'm not your employer. I think that's still valid, honestly. Here's my meal. For $30. Why do I have to pay 36 Right. I actually think that's a valid argument. The problem is. is the restaurant has to be run that way. Right. That's and there true. are restaurants run that's that true. way. I'll give you an example. McDonald's. You go in there and you <laughs> yes. pay what it is and they pay their people. Yes. Every fast food restaurant is set up that way. Although some of them have tip jars. Yes, yeah. Some of them do have tip jars. But again, you're not required. There's no 15% no, going into that tip true. jar for most people. That's true. Um, you know. There are. There was a restaurant. Was it New York? That yeah. went, no tips. No tips. And they just tell their patrons when they come in, uh, there's a sign or something that says, do not No tip. tips. We pay a high we hourly pay, fee. We pay for it. That's the, but that's what I, I mean. I like that. I like that, too. It's like the one price but in theory, car should shopping. You? I, when I go in there and I, and I see the, stick at pri- the ticket price on, on the sticker, that's the price I want to pay. Yeah. I don't want to have to haggle with you. I don't like that. I don't like negotiating. I'm not good at it. And here's the issue. When you sign up to work at a restaurant, you're not accepting a $2.12 uh, cent job. You're, you're, you're accepting a job in which you make more than that. In fact, I can, I can promise you. That's the way you, our culture is. Yeah. Right. Because I can promise you that because it would be illegal for them to pay me $2.12. Even though I don't agree with that law, it would be illegal for them to do that. <laughs> if it wasn't a tipping. If it wasn't a tip job. situation. True. So the point is, like, when you're, when you're tipping, whatever, the, whatever you think the minimum is, you know, you come up with that number. I, you know, I would say 15. I like like a 15%, but I think people, when they get bad service at times, will give even less than that. Um, the bottom line, though, is uh, that, like, the, the merit part of that circum- circumstance is above 15%. You know what I mean? So yeah. if you're at 15%, that is essentially getting this employee to the rate which they're supposed to earn. Right. And then that ab- above that, if you give 25%, then that is essentially the tip. Extra service. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's weird to think about that because we don't do that in any other industry. It would be an interesting uh, thing to do if you paid the employee more money and then said, only tip, don't tip 15%. Only tip, you know, tip 5 or 10% if you love the person. But the, the regular basic tip is included. It would be too much of a cultural change to play with, and no one would understand it. I would like it. Like, though. That would be the way to do it. Yeah. Like you know, if you have someone who's great, you give them a, you know you give them some money. Mm-hmm. Um, but this way, the way it's set up now is you feel like you're giving a tip even if they are mediocre or bad, and that seems worse. It feels like you're getting screwed as a customer because even if you have bad service, you know you're winding up probably throwing some cash down. Um, but so it's a kind of a weird thing. But I can understand that being confusing to a foreigner who comes into this country and has no idea why the hell am I giving this and person extra and money? I understand that too, <laughs> yes. Stu. And someone said not too long ago in, uh, about uh, foreigners being confused about this country. Uh, shut up. Yeah, thank you. Uh, that's, that's right. <laughs> thank you, Jeffy. Thank the you other thing that. is though, good quote by the way. Do you remember who? It, should we put that on the wall? <laughs> Some genius. Some genius. <laughs> but. Th- it's difficult in places because how much do you give the guy who takes your bags to your hotel room? I don't know, a dollar, two dollars, to a dollar a bag, six dollars, ten dollars. I don't know. At a really nice hotel, I feel stupid giving them. 
any singles. A dollar, I, I yeah, don't do yeah, that. Yeah, so yeah, you're, you're like, buck. and we stay at nice hotels. And so you're like, okay, is 10 enough? Do I have to give you 20? And then I do know. I have to do this 10 times while I'm here? Because you're going to bring me my food, so I got to tip you for that. You're going to bring me an iron and an ironing board, so I got to give you another 20? I mean, what? I, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know and the then, answers to those. And then it's your hairdresser. It's your uh, mailman. It's delivery people of all kinds. You've got to tip everybody at least once well, a year. Yeah, the once a year thing your is a little bit different, I think. I, it's like, stop. Yeah, I don't know. The other one is like, uh, you know, you go to a, like a, a restaurant, any restaurant <laughs> in a city, you know, where there's not a lot of parking and they'll have the little valet thing out there. Right. And it's usually free, right? Yeah. Like you go up so there and it's, it's free, but you've got to tip those guys. I, what's the number for that? I don't know. I don't I, know what the number is. I don't know. But uh, it's, it's too much now for me because I just... And, and now what I've started doing is tipping them going in and coming out. So, yeah, I, that's the other one. I don't do you understand do both? it. Yeah, yeah. And look, it's tough. are we? I, in, yeah, I can't. We I probably can't are. In so now I've doubled up on that. Problem. Yeah, we're in prob- first world it problem first, area here. First world problem. But for let, sure, let but me throw this out there. It's a hard one. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm going you, broke tipping valet people because <laughs> this is not a, a, a an elitist issue as much as it's just a no parking issue. If you get to one of those cities, you go to you know you go to Manhattan and you pull it up in front of us, you, you might be paying. You know, ten dollars for your meal, but if there's valet parking outside, you you're going to take it because there's nowhere to park. Right. So you do it, and then what? Do you, if you have to tip on the way in and the way out, do you break up the tip into two pieces? I assume they just pull it all. So I usually just tip once. I hate that. That drives yeah, me crazy. But me then too. you feel cheap on whatever side you're me not. Too. Oh, it's the worst. And now, now we're we're starting well, actually, to hear that our their crew wants tips. The the camera yeah, people. Camera the people want tips, so they're going to make us look guys, bad. The the dumb director or whatever he does or whatever he does. I don't know the producers. dumb director. And uh, <laughs> well, the threat is if we don't tip, they will show more pictures of Jeffy, and we know oh that's going to hurt the show's ratings. Oh we don't want that to. Oh no. See, oh no. Now see, no, they no, can't they can't guys, quite run the camera because they haven't oh, been tipped. Tip. Yeah. Oh, uh, so number five thing that, that uh, shocks foreigners still is what? America is really huge. Is that what shocks them? Mm-hmm. I, it is big. I it's, think a lot of times. It's just plain big. People it's don't, not small. You know, no, I, no, no, no. Yeah. It's real big. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a big, big country <laughs> in, a, in a big, big world. Thank you. Uh, so people, I've talked to. You know, people before they 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 come in and thinking thinking like oh, you know what I'm going to do uh, I'm going to go see a Yankees game and a Cowboys game while I'm in America. Yeah, probably like, not. Yeah, no, you're not. No, you're probably not. <laughs> you know, most likely you're not going to take. Well, that's that like flight. driving from uh, Paris to Milan. Yeah, no, no. it's not. No, uh-uh, it's, it's, not. not. It's, it's pretty big. It's uh, not. The non-metric system. They, of course, they. Oh, that's I, I love sh- that. I again, love shocking them with up. that because we have the real system still. Yeah. Suck on that, okay? <laughs> Suck on the real system. So this is yeah. We talk about pounds and we talk miles and we talk. Fahrenheit degrees. And we throw, shut up we about throw it. Throw stones. Yeah. Shut up. Is this yeah. is this map ind- indicative of how many countries have the English system still? So what? What I mean, it's is that well, that's, that's only not America. Coast, is it? What, what are they, what's the African country? Do you guys know? Is that is that um, uh, Liberia? Bar- Liberia. I thought it was because obviously we set up the country right. and Myanmar. <laughs> that's it. That's it, Burma. Wow. The former Burma. Wow. Liberia and us. That Congratulations for being great countries. You've just increased in my estimation. I am going a million percent. I'm going to Myanmar on vacation now. <laughs> I've just made a decision. I'm and I don't care if there's a bull or not because they use our system. Mm-hmm. I'm going to Liberia. It's either the bull or the Muslim. Man, uh, patriotism blows them away. These are all true. And you know, you kind of inherently know that foreigners are shocked by how much we love our country because mm-hmm. uh, they don't. 
And they don't for a reason. They don't have what we have. They don't. <laughs> yeah. There's no they, reason to love. There's her. no reason to love France. Shut up. I mean, okay, the Eiffel Tower, big deal. Uh, try freedom. <laughs> Patriotism for other countries could automatically look as negative as a negative quality or nationwide xenophobia. In America, people easily wave their flags, cheer and sing on how proud they are of their country. And it's it's not a problem, but it is for foreigners. Another one here. And this one, actually, I will say shocks me, too, uh, which is the, uh, the return policy. Uh, Amer foreigners are amazed at how almost, uh, how almost everything can be returned for a full refund from clothing to food. That's why this is such a great country. Yeah. It's, and it's the, by the way, that so is a great. belief in free market capitalism. Right. Because they believe, even though they know people will abuse it, they believe overwhelmingly people will treat that as the honor right. system and well. It's been and, the case. and it's been the case for, it's for been decades. The case. But I always feel really awkward with it. Like, I feel like when I buy something, I've locked myself into that purchase. I bought it. It's mine. If, it's, if it doesn't work the way... Now, if it's broken, that's one thing. But if it's just like... You know, like, my wife will return stuff like, ah, I just didn't like the way it fit. Or, uh, ah, you know, it just didn't look good on me. Or, you know, uh, I, tried, I tried it, you know, the perfume for uh, a month, and I just don't like it. And she'll return a three-quarter filled bottle of perfume. Mm. And they take it back. Mm. They, have the, these, they will take anything back. It's unbelievable. I like. Capitalism. I used to work with a. Um, uh, I used to work at a. Uh, one of my pre-radio jobs was at a uh, office furniture delivery uh, company. Yeah, that's where uh, you hid out in the back. What's that? That's where you and your pal hid behind boxes. No, that's another job. That's oh, another. Okay. I had a lot of jobs, Jeffy. <laughs> uh, that's the one where I used to scam to get out of work. No, um, this one was. Uh, it was just like I was in an office, and I would call and, and like schedule the deliveries of the furniture and stuff. And there was a, a woman there who was like the receptionist, and I. I was always just freaked out to do it. it was, it's always awkward. I don't like doing it to this day. I don't like returning, you know, stuff to stores. I don't like it. It makes me feel weird. I don't know why. I feel like I'm, like, breaking the, the, a contract, even though I'm not. And so she would do it for me. I, she, she, I would say, I would bring, if I had stuff I needed to return, I'd just bring it in and give it to her. And she'd go back with no receipts. The stuff's half used. Mm -hmm. She'd go in there and just be like, I just want to return this. And they'll do it every time. They, yeah. they, I mean, that is sometimes they'll a, give you store credit instead of cash, back. which is fine. Most if you don't have a receipt or whatever, but that's fine. I mean, it's a, it's a great system. Great system. Others don't have it. Cars everywhere. That shocks foreigners because why? Because they have to deal with mass transit. Yeah. They have to deal with riding a bike or walking through some narrow street. They have to walk. They have to use their legs. These morons. <laughs> I need to do this. <laughs> What a maroon you guys are. Mm -hmm. Look at that. Look how fun that is. Uh, right there. That's really fun. What city is that? Is that, uh, mm. I'm going to say Los Angeles, based on what I see there. But it could, I could be wrong easily. But uh, it, it, cars everywhere are not a thing in Europe. Uh, their, their society is not set up like ours is. And that's why when you hear, well, in Europe, gas is $10 a gallon. We should be happy with three fifty. <laughs> no, no, no. They don't have the same system as we do. They take public transportation. They don't utilize cars. They don't have cars in a lot of cases like we do. Right. So it's a totally different deal. And the last one is taxes. Uh, foreigners are amazed when they come to America that taxes are only added at, at, at the checkout. So, again, Where this else is, would they be added? Well, I guess it just included in the price would be the oh. other option. And, okay. and while that would be nice and easy, it's one, it, it seemingly multiple uh, uh, entries into this list are just the fact that we apparently can do math better than Europeans. <laughs> like, we can tip, we can figure out percentages there somehow, we can figure out sales tax percentages somehow, and somehow we can figure out that really confusing mm -hmm. English system instead of the, everything's rounded to 10 in the metric system. What did we learn here? We're, We're better, better than the rest We're of the better. world. We're better. We're better. Triple eight seven, And you're welcome.
727 bet. It's kind of Yesterday we started into this list and didn't have time for it, um, but it's kind of a fun list because it's the 11 beloved movies. So movies that people love now that were flops at the time they came out. And it, some of these are really surprising. This one probably not because, you know, number one, I think a lot of people have heard that uh, while it's a huge classic now, at the time people really didn't like it. Uh, had a budget of $3.18 million. The box office was $3.3 million. Now, is that adjusted for inflation? Do we know? I think so. We're talking about It's a Wonderful Life. And I, I don't know if... Uh, if it, I mean, I can't imagine a $3 million budget in <clears throat> I can't 1946 46? it was released. Is that when it was? Yeah, it seems like a, that's a big budget movie for back then. But maybe that's maybe it's right. Well, you're, you're scrolling. Of course, we, we had a budget like that. It was... Well, you're Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> you're you, you working for Potter now. Yes, see. Uh, Mary, Mary, don't no, you know me? I think people know. Don't you know me, Mary? I think people are okay. aware of, so. of what the film <laughs> entailed. No, no, uh, it flopped. It did flop. Flopped. Uh, and they lost five hundred and twenty-five thousand dollars on the film. Jeffy's very angry about the second one, Blade Runner. There's no way that movie lost money. I mean, you don't get to that's say... Creative, that's creative bookkeeping. <laughs> <laughs> is creative it? Creative bookkeeping. Actually, it? that does happen. If Lee were here today, which she's not, she she would tell us this because she worked... Lee is one of the people who works here uh, behind the scenes. And, and she worked... She actually has some experience <laughs> in this thing, and she talks about that. It's like how this is, you know, they... Mm -hmm. to, to, to change the way uh, the profit and loss statements come out, a lot of times there's a lot of creative accounting. Right. But this is just strictly what the budget is and what it made in theaters, which doesn't tell you anything about their profit and loss. I mean, that, yeah. they don't make – because they made $27.5 million in theaters, does that mean they got a check for $27.5 million? That's not how that works at all. Most, most estimates are they get about half that money. So if you see a movie that gets $100 million in the box office, they're, the studio's getting about $50 million of that. And then there's a whole other slew of nonsense that goes on after that. And look at the theater uh, – Look at the lineup at the theaters at the time. It had uh, Star Trek II, Wrath of Khan, which was, for my money, the biggest best Star one. Trek and the biggest all. one, right? Yeah. I feel like. Uh, the Thing and E.T. Wow. were all out at the same time, so no wonder that didn't do great. Those are some big movies. But look at, the, look at the run Harrison Ford was on at the time. He did uh, American Graffiti, then he did Star Wars, then he did another Star Wars, Empire Strikes Back. Then he did Indiana Jones and the um, Raiders, Lost, of the Lost Raiders of the Lost Ark. Then he did Blade Runner. Wow. <laughs> Those are pretty iconic movies just right in a row like that. I mean, he really was one of the biggest Huge. Uh, oh my stars. Huge. You know, I mean, didn't, didn't Lucas find him sweeping floors or something? Isn't that the story? Really? That, yeah. He, he was, was a carpenter, carpenter on one of the sets. He was in I The think. Carpenters? Yes, band. he's saying uh, the... superstar and uh, close to you. Okay. Uh, here, I have the list of Harrison Ford movies. Should we go through some of these real quick? Sure. Okay, let's go back to. Look at this lineup. I just brought start with up. American Holy. Graffiti because that's really okay. American Graffiti. Yeah. Uh, 1973 American Graffiti. 1974 yeah. The Conversation. 
which has really good reviews as well. Then Star Wars Episode Four, mm-hmm. uh, A New Hope, which, which is, is 1977. Named. Yes. Uh, okay. Really stupid. Um, it's not Episode Four. It's Episode One. Force Ten from Navarone. I don't know what that is. Uh, I've heard of that. I think is that a, is that a Western movie? Hanover Street, The Frisco Kid. Don't know that. More American Graffiti? Did they make a sequel to that? Wow, apparently. Yeah. That didn't work Did out. Did they really? I don't remember that. That was only 22% on Rotten Tomatoes, by the way. Mm. Then you got Apocalypse Now. Oh, my gosh. 99%. Uh, uh, he was in Apocalypse Now? Apparently. I didn't even realize uh, that. Star Wars Episode Five. Okay. Uh, Empire Strikes Back, which is yep. the best one. Yep. I think we can all agree on that. I think so. And if you can't, you're, if you don't, you're a communist. You're stupid. You're, and a, and a, a communist. stupid communist. Yes. Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> then Blade Runner. Then Star Wars Episode Six: Return of the Jedi. Wow. Then Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Oh. Which, by the way, out of the two, which one was better received uh, critically? Uh, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom or Return of the Jedi? I'm going to say Temple of Doom. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Now, of course, you're doing that because I gave you two choices, and it's the yeah. one you wouldn't think I would do. But <laughs> beyond that, uh, everyone bashes uh, Temple of Doom. I think a bit unfairly, although it wasn't the best one of the series. No. And everyone is, likes to pretend because it was in that first series of three that Return of the Jedi was good. It was well, not. I actually like it. It sucked. I like it. It sucked. Then where'd he go? Witness. <clears throat> great movie. Oh, yeah. That Tremendous movie. is a great movie. And we're still in 1985, Witness by the way. is a great movie. This next movie, though, movie. rough. Mosquito Coast? Yeah. I've never heard of it. I Reviews are okay, though. I think I saw yeah, that. They built the house on the... Uh, they were yeah. like in Africa. Man, that sounds they familiar. Built, uh, it was just okay. not good. But not Frantic, good. after that? Yeah, that was a good movie. Working Girl. Love that movie. Uh, that, I mean, oh, good, good reviews. What's her face? Uh, that's Griffith? A girl. That's, a, right, yeah. that's, a, that's a girly movie. Melanie Griffith. Yeah. Um, oh, by word, by the word, when we're talking, Jeffy, can you check and see if Dumb and Dumber 2 has Kathleen Turner in it? Ooh, really? Because you're, you're about oh, to get to no. some other good movies by him. Oh, yeah. Listen to this career <laughs> of this guy. This is unbelievable. Okay. Uh, yeah. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Okay. Then uh, Presumed Innocent, which I don't really remember. Regarding yeah, Henry. That, that's, uh, regarding Henry was off. It wasn't terrible, though. You know, it wasn't terrible. It wasn't, but it wasn't great. Really yeah. uh, Patriot Games. Come on. Great. 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 The Fugitive? I mean, great. come on. That's an all-time really classic. Great. Now, have we missed, have we skipped the uh, uh, Jewel of the Nile or whatever that was? Remember? That's Michael Douglas. <laughs> what am I thinking? You're exactly right. <laughs> Jewel of the Nile is classic <laughs> movie, though. What's her face? Yeah. And oh, that's why, yeah. That's yeah. what brought that up. And she was, yeah. by the way. She right. was in the movie? She's on, it's on her page. Wow, what? do we have to talk about that? Clear and present danger? <laughs> she doesn't look the same as she did when no, she did. No, uh, she does not. What was she that, body not. heat? Oof. Kathleen, she's ballooned out, though, right? Well, we'll talk about that's this in a second. <laughs> Clear and Present Danger, great. great. Sabrina, I don't know. Yeah, that's a great movie. Really? I love that movie. The Devil's yeah. Own, I don't know. Don't know it. Air Force One, good. Great. Oh, my gosh. Six Days, Seven Nights, that was Anne Heche, right? That was not that uh, great. Not, not yeah. great, no. but okay. Random Hearts, What Lies Beneath. What Lies Beneath, I remember thinking What was Lies good. Beneath is that was good. good. Bad review, that's a though. good, scary movie. That's um, fine. Let's see. Uh, K-19, fun. The Widowmaker I Never Saw. That was pretty good, actually. Firewall was supposedly bad. Indiana Jones, The Crustle Skull, one of the worst oh, movies of worst. all time. Really, really, uh, really, really, really bad. Uh, he was in 42, yeah. apparently. Milius, Ender's Game. Ender's Game is pretty good. It okay. was okay. Yeah. So there you go. We got so, a great we, we're, yeah. as usual, running out of time again. Let's come back on the other side. We'll finish this up. Triple Eight, right. 27 back. You wait. That's a tremendous career on that. Wait until we get to this cast. Like billions. <laughs> billions for Hollywood. Yeah.
So here, here are the rest of the list because we might have to do this for a third day. Brazil, Bob, I don't even know what that is. Children of Men, not sure what that is. Bombed. Citizen Kane, I mean, everyone knows That's that bomb. awful movie. But now, everybody says it's, it's one of the best of all time. I hate I it. Can't yeah. do it. I no, hate that movie. I can't do it. Hugo just, was a bit, it was an animated thing for Martin Hugo Scorsese. Hugo was good. But look at the budget compared to what it made. $170 million budget made $73 million. Not good. Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, the original one, a yeah, budget like of $3 million made it. four. I, don't like I, that love, movie. I love that movie. Fight Club was a bomb. Fight Club, by the way, that basically praising terrorism. I don't know if anyone ever noticed that, but Brad Pitt looks hot in it, so don't worry about it. Then Dazed and Confused, which was not a big hit, and a cult classic on Comedy Central yeah, and stuff. Kidding. And The Wizard of Oz uh, barely made as much back. Really? Yeah. Um, so I watched uh, Dumb and Dumber 2 last night. Went to, went to see that last uh-huh. night. Um, it, it was actually pretty funny. Uh, better than I thought it was going to be. Um, but Kathleen Turner is in it? Yeah. And Kathleen Turner, who was like she the did. hottest hottie of all she time. Was she was the sex oh symbol of an entire era in the 80s. Remember her in Body Heat? She is now, I, and I think of her like romancing the stone. Romancing uh, the, the jewel stone, of the Nile. Jewel of the Nile. Uh, yes. Ford. Yeah. She is now... Really pretty. No, it was not uh, no, not her support. <laughs> she was really pretty. She's now the butt of all the ugly jokes in this movie. She's actually... Oh, no. oh the there bu- she here, is. Here. Okay, so, yeah. so that's... I mean, look at the difference. This is a slight difference. Yeah, slight um, difference. And you could see her in there. You could see her in there. Oh, my. But um, you know what? Uh, you know what happens? You get older, you put on some weight, and... Sh- She's I, saying, like, hey, you know what? This is what I look like. Get over it. And I think that's great. But it's amazing. That must be such a tough thing to take... Unless you're really grounded, to, to go from the sex symbol to the person that everyone's calling ugly. I mean, Jeffy's always been the person that everyone's. Oh, my. I. We have to go to break. Yeah. Uh, end of the show is here. Okay. So.